I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. I recently posted on my Instagram account, that's at Joanna Fortune. If you want to give me a follow there, I often post about little play things or little nuggets of why certain play helps at certain times. But in one particular post, I was talking about outdoor play. I was talking about, you know, muddy puddles, climbing trees, swinging on a tire on a rope, you know, one of those tire swings. I was talking about the importance of when we're having a no good, terrible, very bad day to quote that book um you know how good it is to get outdoors how good it is just to get out there but more than that how how much physical activity young children ideally need in their day and I mentioned about you know certainly one but ideally up to three hours per day of physical activity and I don't mean now three hours of children swinging out of the rafters or swinging out of the highest branch of the tree I really think about it as that emotional regulatory roller coaster. So think about it as waves of activity where you're going to move from mild to moderate to high intensity of physical activity. But anyway, after I posted that picture and that little blurb about the benefits of outdoor play, the amount of time children should ideally get, and I was talking about how good it is for motor skills, I was really struck by the amount of messages I got on social media from parents going, three hours, really? Oh my goodness. Can you give us any tips or guidance about how do you fill that? What is mild versus moderate? What, what, how long should they have intense play? What does that look and feel like? And why is it so good for them with their motor skills? And I thought, you know, gosh, that's an, that's something we really should spend some more time th- talking about because I also heard from parents saying, you know, surely we don't have to structure this as parents. Just kids play. They play outdoors. And you're right. They do if and when they are given the opportunity and they are shown how much fun it is. Um, they will do it themselves. But Anyone who's parenting knows that even the most independent, happy, playing little child is going to call out for you to play with them too. And so as parents, we also need to get very comfortable with that rough and tumble, that very physical, active type of play. And maybe stop and ask yourself, how long is it since you climbed a tree? And, you know, give yourself permission to find a good climbing tree in your area. I found one recently myself and just was so excited to get up there and climb. I was at the time showing my own child how to climb and how to be brave and do that. But actually in doing it, discovered how much I as myself was enjoying it, not on her behalf, but on my own. So I can't recommend that highly enough. But certainly until recently, it was assumed that young children were naturally physically active, you know, that they just did that. They're active all the time. And that makes sense. You know, I mean, infants, small little infants, they typically use physical play to establish those voluntary, you know, motor control, you know, like basically put, they stack up blocks and they knock them over and they restack them up and they knock them over. And then 
in preschool years, we tend to use play as a form of exercise. You know, they're out, they're running, they're climbing, they're bouncing, they're chasing each other, they're playing those games. And that tends to be the type of exercise they get. But in the advent of more modern play and modern childhood, really, where more sedentary activity dominates, where children spend more time indoors sitting on screen-based devices than any generation before them, We are seeing a huge impact in gross motor skills in children as they start school, that they're not able to do things that previous generations would be. And that reminded me of a number of years ago, excuse me, of a number of years ago in 2016, when it was widely reported in newspaper articles that Nicky Butt, who's an ex-footballer, but also was then head of the Manchester United Youth Academy, He was hiring circus performers to come in to work with their players to increase mobility and teach the players how to fall and roll safely to avoid injury. I mean, I remember reading that and going, what? Like these are, you know, clearly young athletes, very skilled footballers. These are not young children. They are young men and young women, I assume, in the youth academy. And you know, they're having to bring in circus performers to teach the skills that we have long since taken for granted as something children just do. And, you know, I just thought, isn't that, I still think, isn't that fascinating? The potential impact on motor skills development, physical and mental health is huge. And it's well worth investing in a a resource that is, let's be honest, largely freely available outside our doors. So this is something that isn't going to cost us money. You know, you find a green space. If you have a garden, wonderful. If not, is there a green space nearby? You find a playground that is safe and open for your children to use. You find a local woodland area, a forest, a hill, a mountain. Find whatever it is and get active, get climbing, get exploring. You invest in outdoor play clothes. And by invest, I mean you recycle the ones that you've long since thought are not suitable for them to be wearing to to school or out playing or whatever, because then it doesn't matter if they get muddy and messy. In fact, the better that they do. And you get wellies and puddle jumping, mud pies, whatever it is, you embrace that. I think that we really have to look at this because when we think about it, the great outdoors is providing a space that has far fewer physical restrictions than the indoor environment has. And that in itself allows children to express themselves more openly. They can be more physically active and boisterous outdoors than they can. They can kick a ball outdoors when we tend to be, you know, saying to them, don't do that, don't kick that ball in here. They can do it outside. So the next time you want to say, don't kick that ball, try to rephrase that and say, hey, if you want to kick your ball, you bring it outside. So you're saying the same thing, but in a positive reframing. Countless studies are showing that regular time spent playing outdoors reduces anxiety, reduces or offsets hyperactivity, it helps to boost their mood, it builds collaborative play skills and teamwork skills, and it lowers those cortisol levels, which is are those stress hormones that can live or simmer in the body. And the result is children who are happier, more relaxed, more alert, more attuned, and they are more open to learning. You know, the research shows that they are going to learn more. I mean, look, we know this ourselves. You probably have felt the benefit from having a walk in fresh air to clear your head or to relieve tension. 
Doesn't it then stand to reason that our children who are experiencing increasingly sedentary lifestyles with screens, urban noises and that kind of stimuli will also benefit greatly from time outdoors in nature, running, jumping, climbing. I think it's fantastic. Let's do more of it. So, I mean, there's, as I just said, a myriad of health benefits, but also we're looking at the impact it has on the domains of motor skills. And I'm thinking of those questions that came in to me about physical activity. What does it mean to have light, moderate high intensity. Well, look, no two children are the same. No two families are the same. So this is going to look and feel slightly different in your house. But generally speaking, light intensity physical activity would be dressing up, standing and painting, um, doing slow walking games, going out for a slow walk. But also I tend to do these kind of physical movement games like slow walking, fast walking, funny walking. So we walk as slow as we can. We walk as fast as we can. And then we make up a funny walk. I tend tend to do a game called fruit salad where I call out a number of fruits that we all have to dance like dance like a banana dance like an apple dance like an orange dance like a strawberry whatever it is and look at dancing like a fruit can look exactly like it looks in your house there isn't a prescriptive way of doing that but after I've called out about five fruits I then yell fruit salad and whoever is playing the game we all move around and we change places in the groups so we mix up the fruit and then we have a new place in our circle and we keep going that would be a light intensity depending on how you play it moving into moderate intensity play more moderate to high intensity physical activity would be running jumping playing ball games cycling scooters skates games like skipping get, you know all activity like that would really come into it the recommendations are that at least half of the physical activity that's accumulated by young children should be in active play because they learn by play and play is for young children their form of exercise or at least it can be. Children who are, you know, let's talk one to five year old, really, they should get a minimum of one. But honestly, for most children, that won't be enough um, up to several hours. You know what I find myself and I've done quite a lot of reading in the research around outdoor play is three hours is optimum. And it's that wave. Think about that regulatory roller coaster, that wave. But that should be daily. It should be unstructured physical activity. Think along the lines of running, climbing, because they serve not only to develop their muscles, strength, endurance and general movement skills, but they're benefiting their cognitive and emotional development as well. Children learn problem solving skills, solution focused thinking, collaboration, teamwork, turn taking, reciprocity. All of that is being supported and they're also getting that freedom of being in charge of their own bodies, looking at all they can do. So you're getting mastery over the task. So you're getting a boost to self-esteem and confidence as well. It's just fantastic for them. Um, they also gain kind of spatial cognition cognition, spatial awareness. There's huge amounts of things that are going on. You know, the list is really endless. Um, but also it, it can, there is evidence out there in the research that active playground type breaks help young children concentrate better at subsequent sedentary tasks. So in going back to school, you know, having frequent movement breaks outside actually helps them to sit and perform and engage in the classroom sedentary activity of sitting and listening and task completing. And, you know, our gross motor skills, I keep mentioning that phrase, they include movement like running, dancing, jumping, throwing, catching, kicking. You know, it really, th those kinds of skills and gaining competence and that really helps preschoolers that age group upwards um, to move more easily and avoid developmental delays. They 
develop more confidence in their own abilities and it just gives them general social, physical and emotional health benefits as they stay active. So there's tons of stuff that's going on. They become more confident. I've always seen that as well. Children who play more outdoors are more likely to take chances. So engage in positive risk taking behavior as well. You know, they'll chance jumping over something even if they they're not certain they'll make it the whole way. They're more likely to try new things and just just engage in positive risk taking. And as I've said before, that's so, so important um, as they're beginning to grow and develop because risk taking behavior really kicks up a notch in adolescence. So you want to invest in positive risk taking now. So I want to leave you on this one with just a few kind of suggestions of the type of outdoor play, because that was another theme that emerged in the questions I got after posting on social media was parents going, you know, I'm not really good at this I tend to just let them out but if I want to join them in the play what are some types of outdoor games that match that regulatory roller coaster I think think back to what you like to play as a child yourself outside playing tag you know one of you is it um, you can do rounds of rock paper scissors to agree who's the first one to be it so to speak or you can do eeny meeny miny mo catch a tiger by the toe if he squeals let him go eeny meeny miny mo and that person is going to be the one who's on and then it's up to whoever is on to chase the others and tag someone else to be it and the game continues so you know how to play that Red Rover was a favorite of my own um, school playground days that we, we used to play this as a whole group class. There was a huge line up the length of the playground and it was great fun. So you basically form two teams of equal numbers. So you do need and you know, certainly you need about six of you to play this game. And you stand opposite each other and, you know, the first team, again, you can do rock, paper, scissors to decide who goes first. They agree among themselves to call one person from the other team over and they say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Susie over. And then Susie must run towards the other team's line who are linked by holding hands. She's going to attempt to crash through their hands. And if she does, she has been successful and she gets to you know, capture or reclaim one of their team members onto her own team and she returns to her team. If she doesn't break through the linked hands, then she joins the other team. The winner is the team who has the most people at the end. Um, you could do all kinds of things like water play, simply running through a sprinkler or play with a basin, making wet footprints, um, splashing, filling little water squirters, little water pistols and chasing each other around the garden with those. That's all lovely play. Digging for treasure, burying something in a you know, a little part of your garden that you're quite happy to have dug up and let them dig for it with their hands, with a little shovel, whichever it is. Playing hopscotch, you know, using your your patio chalk or pavement chalk and drawing out a hopscotch. I think that's really great. There's a couple of really nice ways of playing that as a family where you all take, you know, you jump in sequence together. Um, I've seen a lot of those emerge on YouTube videos online recently. Simply playing hide and seek um, is a great way of doing outdoor play. And I like skipping because there's so much you can do with a skipping rope. So if you three of you literally hold either end, the person in the middle jumps as you turn the rope for them. If you've only got the two of you, tie one end of the rope to a tree and you can still turn it and do that. You can make skipping more challenging um, and it's also a fun way to increase the level of challenge is to have the person in the middle jump while holding a cup of water. Of course the water is going to slosh and come out and you know then take turns you know they come out and they hold the rope while the next person jumps and at the end when everyone's had a turn measure who has the most water left in their cup and that person wins. It's a nice way of bringing more challenge particularly for the older kids or if you've got a range 
of ages in your children. It's a nice way of bringing the older children thinking 10, 11, 12 into, you know, up to 15, 16 back into the play. And I have done that one with older groups and they loved it and certainly got really into it. Then using your skipping rope, divide into teams of two or more. You know, simply if there's four of you, great. And the more, the merrier. And pull the rope both ways, um, tug of war. So there's a kind of nurture opportunity I like to put in here that if it's if it's you and your child, you know, pulling the rope between just the two of you, that when you pull them over to you, if so if you win, for example, you pull them over, you're pulling them into your arms for a warm embrace. Or, you know, if there's a team effort, a family team, you're pulling the other team over for a group hug. Um, or if they pull you over, if, you know, you're letting them win a game, have it in such a way that when you fall over, you fall into a hug with them. And it's a lovely way of bringing some nurture in. You could also tie the rope or hold it you know between chairs or two people hold it at different heights and do a bit of limbo there's no end of things that you can do so I like to kind of take one prop you know in this instance um, a skipping rope and you know show you so many ways that you could get more than 15 minutes of play a day with it but there's tons of things like that that you can do um, no end to outdoor play so please please do it young children will reap psychological benefits as they expand and refine their motor skills but they're also going to become more confident when they challenge old boundaries related to those motor skills and they're they manage it with success so it's going to encourage them to try new things and again while there's all of that physical and emotional benefit above all else it's fun there's laughter there's joy and that's worth doing if there was no other benefits I would still say if it's an opportunity for a shared joy a shared laugh together then why wouldn't you do that? So please do give your outdoor play um, a go. Give it some attention. Always think in line of that regulatory roller coaster. Think of it, okay, we've been playing up here at such a high level. Now, how am I going to get them down? I need a more moderate into quieter level physical play and then bringing back up. Aim for a minimum of one. Try to get as close to three hours of physical active play a day. And if you do that, I promise you, you're going to see benefits within a week or two of doing that consistently. Enjoy it, have fun. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-Minute Parenting.